Okay, Justin. Um, so actually, I thought your the knowledge that you displayed in that answer overall was fairly good, actually. Um, I think you probably didn't hit the five out of five points, um, but you've got to be cognizant of the fact that this is only a six-minute station uh, and normally one minute given for the handover at the end. So actually, it's only five minutes, so they might rush you through this. And you might not therefore get to the later marks um, if we were rushing you through this at the uh, speed that they might do in the interviews. Um, so I think a few things, I'm just going to feed back on a few specific things. Um, so your A2E assessment, this patient's coming with chest pain. It's the most important thing with any patient arriving with chest pain. The first, well, first and most important thing is ensuring they're stable. And then the second thing in terms of arriving at a differential is a good chest pain history. I didn't really hear that from you. Um, it's important to be upfront. And I think if you, you know, you can see where this station might go. So I think if you're aware of what the diagnosis might be a bit like paces, you can actually reverse it and say, this is a, a patient that's already given um, a history of chest pain, which sounds like it could be cardiac in nature. So that's my primary differential but I'll be taking a thorough chest pain history to think about any other masquerading things. And then you can really say, I want to be ruling out other things such as an aortic, an aortic cardiovascular issues such as an aortic dissection, um, any significant arrhythmias. Um, and also given he's got shortness of breath, I'd want to make sure that he hasn't got any uh, risk factors for PE or any pneumothoraces, for example. And then you can say, and then you don't need to go into the depths of your history, but you can say one or two pertinent things I might ask about the chest pain is where it comes on, where it radiates to, especially whether it's radiating through to the back or to the jaw, which is very specific, um, and whether he's had any of this kind of pain before, apart from two days ago. Um, and then after that, I think it's fair to go to your A to E assessment. A to E assessment. I think your A to E assessment, again, can be far more succinct. Uh, Again, a few too many colloquialisms coming through. Um, so A, I think you said, just want to make sure he's chatting to me. Probably not, again, the kind of phraseology to be using in the interviews. Um, and I think a few other things I picked up on, you just do need a structure for your ABC and be able to really whiz through it in a way that shows you why you're doing some of the things you're doing, just to draw a few of them out. So if this is a chest pain history, you might want to say, you know, after airways, you go on to breathing and breathing and really trying to, understand whether there's any respiratory pathologies uh so go through i'd say respiratory rate inspiration percussion palpation um and auscultation and getting a sats a sats reading uh and an abg i think any patient who's coming with a possible heart attack you have to mention an abg and really i think for all clinical scenarios if you've got a patient who's potentially unwell there's no real reason to not at least have a vbg uh for these patients so that's something to think about uh and you can say I'm looking for any signs of fibrosis, uh, a heart failure, or any signs of the patient that may be pneumothorax. And then moving on to C, ensuring, ensuring he's cardiovascularly stable and looking particularly for any signs of heart failure. And importantly, whether he's got any murmurs, because that may, um, you know, in patients who have had, had a heart attack, they can develop uh, things such as VSDs. And in patients that are going on to have an angiogram, it's very important to know that they might have severe aortic stenosis, for example, because that changes what one might do during the angiogram, some of the medications you might give. Um, and I think, again, I think at the end, or sometimes at the start of a question, 
a nice interview uh, technique to use is to summarize to the examiner just to show that you know where you are, especially when it's been a long answer. So you can say, start this question. This is a 50, 57 year old gentleman that's come in with signs and, signs and symptoms and maybe suggestion of cardiac chest pain. And then go through. And at the end, you can say, obviously, worrying this, this may be cardiac chest pain, this may be an end STEMI. I would then tailor my investigations towards that and also ruling out any other causes of chest pain. And that leads you really nicely onto the next question and summarize the examiner that even if you haven't managed to go through everything, he might be like, he or she might be like, oh gosh, this candidate really knows what they're talking about. So that's a maybe an interview tip that uh, would be good to use. Um, then for the investigations, again, no real structure. I think you did mention a few of them. I didn't hear a gas. Um, and there, there are a few other things that you could do here. Um, you could you could definitely have thought about uh, a gas. You could have thought about maybe looking at some investigation to calculate some of the scores. So you can think about doing a grace score and things like that. Um, and again, there was, I think you went from, I've got written down here, you went from a chest x-ray, then bloods, and then ECG. But ECG is a bedside investigation, and then chest x-ray and bloods uh, are less so. And I think um, there should be a better structure for that. Um, you look at the ECG nicely. I would, I'll just share screen for the ECG again, just so we can be, while we're talking about it, we're looking at the same things. So I hope you can see the screen there. Um, so what you've got, I think you actually described it really nicely. So you, first of all, you said the rhythm, uh, you said the heart rate, and then you talked about the most pertinent abnormalities. Um, and here this patient's quite clearly got um, T-wave inversion inferiorly. But also, if you look at V4, this T-wave goes up, down, and then back up, i.e. goes below the isoelectric line. That's a biphasic T-wave, and this is uh, biphasic slash T-wave inversion. So he's actually got infralateral T-wave inversion. Um, so just be slightly careful of when you're describing an ECG. And you, I thought we actually described it fairly well. So if you're describing something, I think regardless whether you, th you think you're correct or not, you have to be confident <laughs> because that uh, gives confidence to the examiner. So I think you said potentially uh, T-wave inversion inferiorly. T-wave inversion is fairly binary. So this person has got inferior T-wave inversion. So be clear. This patient has is in sinus rhythm. He's got inferior to inversion. As an examiner, I would have much rather heard that. And then I would actually thought, well, maybe you just didn't quite see the uh, lateral to inversion. There's an element of uh, one one might let you off that. But if you say, oh, it's potentially or some to inversion, then I'm thinking that you might have seen this and not really un understood that there was actually biphasic or to inversion laterally. Um, but you correctly identified that this is an NSTEMI, which is the most important part of the station. Uh, and then you did say, suggest that this patient might need, um, this patient will need an angiogram and commencement on dual antiplatelet therapy, uh, which is the most important thing. Um, but there are other things that uh, you can you can think about here. So this patient, I think you move too quickly off, off the management of this patient. So this is really where the meat is. This is the patient who's been recently diagnosed now with an NSTEMI. He needs to be on a cardiac monitor. He needs to be making sure that the team around us uh, and the nursing staff are aware that he's now been diagnosed with an NSTEMI and he's on a cardiac monitor for that reason. And it's particularly important that you need to think about what are the reasons that you'd like to be told, uh, called by this patient. And those three things are any hemodynamic instability or signs of heart failure, one, two, any 
new chest pain because ref chest pain that's refractory to uh, chest pain that's refractory to uh, analgesia is a reason to go to the cath labs overnight. And three, um, any new ECG changes. And I suppose any arrhythmias as well. So those are kind of three things that you want to be called about for a patient with an endostemia overnight. And I think that's really important to get across to the examiner because any safe SHO, that's what they really want out of this. Any safe SHO should be aware of the reasons they want the nursing staff to call them overnight because if that doesn't get handed over, then uh, that's where patients can be missed. Um, and endostemies can quite often turn into STEMI situations um, overnight. Um, you mentioned most of the things. I think you, so I think you mentioned duone platelet. I think I heard um, asymmetries, uh, beta blockers, high dose statin, analgesia um, as needed. I don't think I heard that. So you just need to, you know, very patient centered and be aware of that. Uh, and then fondoparadox um, can be used. But you know, if the patient can land you down the next day, it may not be necessary, but you need to at least mention that you've considered it. Um, and you talked about the, the patient on discharge. Um, Again, the ACE stimulator, you say, oh, depending, on, depending on whether it's hypertensive, we actually give an ACE stimulator regardless of patients who've had a who've had a heart attack in the stent. So the patient needs an ACE stimulator, uh, likely a small dose of beta blocker, high dose statin. So, you know, better than just saying statin alone, it should be high dose statin. Um, and then again, I mean, a five-star candidate might have thought about um, spironolactone if their patient's got heart failure, and also importantly, thinking out what, what the patient's ejection fraction is, because that tailors what the treatments are that you might give them now on the day of discharge. Uh, and then also be a bit more aggressive about risk factors. It's a young, youngish patient that's had a heart attack and a stent. So really aggressive about hypertension, diabetes monitoring um, and lipid, lipid control. Um, and then finally, uh, obviously, all the things like exercise, dietary advice, feeding into a nutritionist. Uh, and the one final thing I'd say is, always think about some back of your mind, especially with cardiac patients, is the implications of the DVLA. Um, and then I think, finally, your handover was good. Um, I think that you could have been, again, a bit more succinct. I think you talked a bit about the history and the symptoms they've had. I, I don't know whether that's absolutely relevant now that you've, uh, if you're doing a quick, succinct handover, um, you could say that this is a patient who's coming with chest pain. He's got a troponin, uh, an elevated troponin and infralateral uh, T-wave inversion consistent with an end stem. He's been commenced on treatment that's currently chest pain free. Um, and then in your recommendation, then I think you should talk about those three things. Uh, I'd appreciate if you could review them overnight. Uh, and I've particularly asked the nurses to uh, make you aware if he develops any signs of heart failure, any new chest pain. Uh, we particularly to be alerted if there's any particular ECG changes uh, from his current ECG um, that may warrant any of these that may warrant um, him needing uh, angioplasty overnight. And that's probably the, I think, a good way to phrase your recommendation. Um, but to be fair, I think actually your, to summarize, I think your answer was that your answers were all fairly reasonable. Uh, it probably would have been a three out of five. Um, your knowledge base is all there and I thought it was quite impressive. Uh, but you just need to package it in a bit different way. And there were still quite a few marks left out on the table, um, especially some of those higher scoring points. Um, but yeah, well done. Great, thank you.